Good morning. It's good to see you all and be together here with you. Many of you have prayed for me, and I certainly appreciate that. Uh, as you can see, I'm up moving around. Uh, somebody has said, you're the Iron Man now because I had the coronavirus and I am recovered. I don't know whether I'm the Iron Man or not, but I am recovered. So thanks for praying. I, I really, really appreciate that. During this time here, as, I, as we've been looking at Ephesians and the armor of God, and uh, Pastor Mark asked me to do this one that we're doing today, I was thinking about something that happened clear back uh, in college. When I was a freshman, I went to Laterno University in Texas, and what we used to do way back then, there was a time, they called it dog days. And dog days was kind of like a freshman initiation, and we had to do all sorts of things. It was kind of to get us integrated into the school and keep us lowly freshmen in our place. But we were a particularly wild and, and strong group of freshmen. And we did a lot of things that had never been done before there. We got together. I remember one time we got on the steps, I think, of the science building, and we held our own demonstration showing what greatness this freshman class had. And we did several other things, and people were really noticing us as a freshman group. The end of those dog days was a rope pull. A rope pull, you know, is like, a, like pulling a rope, and it was across the pond there at Laterno, and it pitted some of the freshmen, selected freshmen, against a team that had won the rope pull. Fraternities did it every year, and the team that had won the, the previous spring. And, and so as we got ready for that, I was one of the ones, we were, we were a very confident group of freshmen. We were loud. And, and people were noticing us. And, and as we got to the pond that day, we got there and the rope was already laid out across the water, big heavy rope. I think there were 12 or 15 of us on a side. And uh, as freshmen, we didn't know exactly what we were supposed to be wearing. We didn't know if we were supposed to wear uh, shoes or tennis shoes or, or boots. And so some of us had shoes, some of us had boots, and we're sitting there trying to figure out. And... and there were some people there that had been given to us. They were, they were upperclassmen had told us here, okay, here's what you do. So they told us and explained some of how the rope pull was supposed to happen. And, and uh, so we got all ready for that. And they said, look, look, we, we really think you guys can win. What you need to do, we see you have boots, shoes. You shouldn't have those on there. Because you see, as you get on here, you, you need to take those boots and shoes off. And, and you need, that way your, your feet can really dig into the ground. And right then is when you knew that we were freshmen. Because we believed them. So we all took our shoes and boots off, put them off the side, we'd get all ready. And we did not know that on the other side, the winning team that was going to pull against us, they had on cleats. We were on a little bit of a downhill slope, but we were ready. We were full of enthusiasm. And so we get ready, set, pull. Afterwards, there were some people that came and told us, never in the history of rope pull had they ever seen a group like ours so strong, so big, 
go flying across the water as quickly as we did. Some people thought we were water skiing, we were going across so fast. We royally lost the rope pull. Why did we lose the rope pull? Because we didn't have a good foundation. We didn't have a way to really set our feet down. And so we lost. We did not lose because we lacked strength. Because there were some really big, strong guys on our side. We did not lose because of no resolve. Because we really had the resolve. We lost because we had no foundation. You get the picture. That's exactly what Paul is writing about here as we look at this part of the armor of God. As he declares here and he uses this whole imagery of the image of God, he brings us to a place now about the foundation. We're going to read it together here. It's Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to begin with verse 10 again, just so that we get the whole picture. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And that is our verse. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, a review here real quickly. I want us to remember what's going on here as, as Pastor Mark has been teaching and the mic, and, and we've been looking at these things. First of all, to remember, we are in a great battle. You're in a battle. I'm in a battle. It is. It is a spiritual battle. It is not against flesh and blood, he says. It, it is in the spiritual realm. And in this battle, he says, we are given the armor of God so that we can stand. The word to stand, to stand firm, is used a number of times. And then he begins to describe what this armor is like. He talks about the belt of truth, and that belt of truth, the truth, and standing on what God has said and the declaration of who He is, not in our own thinking. Uh, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, and, and Marcus talked about that uh, breastplate of righteousness, especially that we understand righteousness is not about other things, about what we do. It is the righteousness of Christ in us. And now, now we come to this, where he talks about the shoes, the sandals, that are the foundation in the gospel of peace. And so we want to take a quick look at that here. Uh, just a couple of things. First of all, my, my first point would be talking about the shoes. I'm going to call them shoes of foundation. But I want to say something here first. I want to, want to say what this is not talking about. Okay? It is not talking about the proclamation of the gospel, as important as that is. There's a verse in, um, in Isaiah 52. Uh, it says this. Isaiah 
52, I believe it's verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. It's a magnificent verse, and it's a wonderful expression of our heart of proclaiming the gospel. And, and Paul writes to the Romans, and one place he talks about that, and he, and he says the same thing about the proclamation of the gospel, and he even quotes part of that verse, how beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel of good news, the good news of Christ. But I don't believe that's what he's talking about. As important as that is, and don't misunderstand me, it is absolutely imperative that we proclaim the gospel. We just saw uh, what uh, Craig is doing and others there in Nicaragua. You know, the soap and hope. And part of that is to proclaim the gospel. That is a good thing. That is a right thing. That is something that we are to be doing. Okay, so don't misunderstand me. That is what we're supposed to do. Just understand this, that in this passage, that's probably not what is being talked about. I looked at some, uh, uh, some, uh, some different commentaries, and Ellicott, I believe, was the one who said it this way. This is inappropriate to the whole context. Now, not inappropriate, this being the proclamation of the gospel. The proclamation of the gospel is not inappropriate, but he suggested that it is to this passage because it doesn't fit the context. He says, remember this, each piece of armor is a quality, not a function. Uh, there were others, Barnes and Darby and others, who said the same thing, that don't look at this as the proclamation of the gospel, as important as that is. In terms of the armor, you understand what it is. It's been translated here, I read it, readiness. Others would say preparation. And, and this word is found only here. The, this Greek word is found only here in all of the New Testament. And so, so we have to look at some other things. Okay, exactly what did he mean here? And um, again, it was Ellicott and Barnes who both went back to the Septuagint. Now, the Septuagint is, if you remember, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. They wrote it and they translated it into Greek so that the Greeks could read it and understand it. And they took this word that is translated here as we read, read it, readiness or preparation. And it is used that way in the Old Testament in some of the translations. Uh, they gave Psalm 10 verse 7 as one of the examples. And in the King James it says, talking about the preparedness of heart. But again, they would suggest, and I would suggest, this doesn't seem to fit the sense of the passage. Yes, we are to be prepared, but how does that fit in the armor? And they would suggest something else. They went on to say, and in the Septuagint, again, going back to that, that translation, this word is actually translated many more times as foundation. And they gave many examples, many times in Ezra, uh, actually Nehemiah, in Isaiah, uh, in Psalms again. This word, it's translated foundation. And I would suggest, and they suggested, that this fits the passage and fits the context a whole lot more. You see, as he looks at the armor there, as he's looking at the soldier and saying, okay, here's the belt of truth, here's the breastplate of righteousness, what's he got on his feet? And on his feet were the caliga. The, the Roman soldier wore these sandals. And these sandals were very, very interesting. They were, they were made of leather. At this point, 
and most of them had some sort of hobnails on them. That, that was probably for a couple of reasons. One is that as, as you had that, uh, it wouldn't wear out quite as quickly, but especially it gave much more sure footing. Uh, you, you see a picture here and of the hobnails here. There is another one. Uh, that actually had a longer spikes, and, and it, w- it was shown in this way, possibly for footing in a battle. You have to remember, remember when, when you're in one of these battles, uh, there's sword play, there's knives, there's spears, there's arrows, and soon, it's very close, very close contact, and very soon, that field would begin to get very bloody. I don't want to get too graphic here. But you can imagine your mind as people start doing that, the blood is flowing, and what happens, you would, you would find your footing slipping. You would, you would find yourself in danger that way. That's the word that's used here, and, and he talks about, I, I wear cowboy boots. Many of you know that. I grew up with cowboy boots, and I love cowboy boots. The one thing that is really hard about them is, well... If they're good cowboy boots, they have leather soles. And that is all well and good when you're riding and everything else. But when it comes time, and if if suddenly the ground is slick or icy, it is really easy to fall. I've been wearing my boots here at church for many years, and I have uh, fallen two or three times because of the slick pavement or the slick grass. And, and, and so, so what, what Paul is saying here, look, the, the foundation that you have is, it needs to be like the Caliga. It, it is very firm. It has those hobnails so you can stand firm so that you won't slip. That is the picture that's here. The shoes, those sandals, the Caliga. So we're able to stand so that we don't slip and slide, lose our footing in the battle. In this battle... The battle that we're in, um, we're in a place where sometimes we, we could slip. We, we could lose heart in this constant pressure of life, the doubt that it brings, the fear that is there, and that can sometimes cause great, uh, uh, great distress in all of what we are doing. He says here, first of all, you need these shoes, you need these sandals to gain strong foundation, good footing. We are being attacked on every side. The the enemy has attacked us, and that attack can be physical against us. It certainly can be emotional as we see the things going around us even now. It certainly is spiritual as, as the evil one tries to tear us down. And, and Paul is reminding us here, you need to have a firm foundation. You need to have firm footing in this battle. And where, where, where do we stand? What is that firm footing? And he says it this way, in the gospel of peace. And again, interestingly here, this is the only time that phrase is used in the New Testament. But we know what the gospel is, has been read about it, the hope we have in Christ. And we understand from the scriptures what the peace is about. And so I'm going to suggest something here, the firmness of the gospel of peace that helps us as we stand. Two things, very simply. The gospel of peace, first of all, starts 
with peace with God. And again, understand, he's not talking here about the proclamation of gospel, although as we go through life and as we go through these things, that certainly is going to happen. We are commanded to do that. But here in this gospel of peace, I'm going to say, first of all, to understand that we have peace with God. Why is that important? Because the truth is, before you and I came to Christ, we were at war with God. Our sin had separated us from Him, and in and of ourselves, we didn't want God. In in Romans, Paul says, we were the enemies of God by our own choice. We didn't want anything to do with God. You didn't want to do anything with God on your own. There was conflict. There was war. And I believe one of the great blessings that God gives to us is that He has given us reconciliation through the sacrifice, through the death, through the blood, through the resurrection of Christ. Reconciliation, that, that idea, that word means bring to peace, that the conflict is finished. We now have peace with God, not because of something we have done, but because of what God has offered through Christ. This is so important. I want to read a couple of passages here that just help us remember this. Romans 5, um, uh, verses 6 through 11. He says it this way. You see, at just the right time, Christ died for the... um, Let me read that again. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Um, for it, uh, when we were God's enemies, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Do you get the picture there? I don't have time to talk about all of that, except just to remember that he says we were his enemies. He reconciled us to himself. He has made it so that we are at peace with God. In 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses uh, 17 through 21, he continues on this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul writes those things by the Spirit of God, just absolutely declaring that there there is a place now, there is no war, no more. 
That's what has happened. We are now no longer the enemies of God, but we've put our faith in Him, and we have peace with God. There is not that battle going on anymore. He says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The battle is ended, and, and you need to understand that, and I need to understand that, because that is one of the areas where the, the enemy comes against us, I believe, so often. Trying to convince us somehow, okay, you have said that you've received Christ, but you know your sin. You know what you've done. You know that you don't deserve it. And if he comes at us enough, and if we don't have a strong footing, strong foundation, we might begin to believe that somehow we do not have that reconciliation. But the truth is, we do. And our strong footing helps us to be able to stand. I love Western history and reading some of the things about that. And, and one of the areas, it's a, it's a tragic story in some ways. It, it's a moving story. It's the, the, there was a war between the Ne Perse tribe in Idaho and Montana against the U.S. And probably not one of our finer moments, but as, as they came along, they, there was battle. And Chief Joseph was an incredible strategist. Uh, there were five major battles against the U.S. Army, and he won them all. But in the end, he had to surrender. And he arranged things uh, in a very uh, crafty way for all of his people, for the women and children, uh, and the rest of the tribe to be able to escape up north into Canada. And then Chief Joseph surrendered. And his surrender speech is very short, but very eloquent. He said it this way, Hear me, my chiefs, my heart is sick and sad. From where the sun now stands, I will fight no more forever. Reconciliation. No more war. The fight is done. That's what God has done for us through Christ. Knowing about this peace, knowing about what He has done for us, that that peace with God, I think, helps us stand firm in the battle in which we find ourselves. The daily, constant struggle, standing against an enemy that tries to tear us down, standing against things that are beating on our minds, standing firmly because we know that we have peace with God. There is no more war between God and me. I am firm, and I don't have to let the evil one push me around in that regard at all. God works on our behalf. Again, in Romans, he says, in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can stand against us? Part of the gospel of peace is just very simply the peace with God. And I'm going to suggest there's another peace. I'm going to go to another preposition here, if you remember your English, and this is the peace of God. Peace with God, ending the war, ending the battle, the peace of God, that heart that builds into us a sense of tranquility because of who He is. Philippians 4 is a passage that we've been looking at as a staff. I know Pastor Mark has talked about it as what we want to be part of our heart here. Philippians 4, 4 to 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the peace of God. His assurance uh, to us that we are His. We don't have to go through life alone. We aren't going through life alone. Um, He's God and He is for us. I think this peace of God has two parts. First of all, I think it is redemptive because that peace comes is by grace. I don't need to fear eternity. I don't really need to fear the enemy because my sins are absolutely forgiven. That's absolutely true. And it is also in terms of relationship. I have this peace because I am his child by faith. I am not junk. I am loved without reservation by the God of the universe. And we have the peace of God because He is with us. He indwells us. He says here, the Lord is near, remembering the Lord is around us. The Lord is by us. That's what He has done. And because of that, He says, my peace is a part of your whole makeup. You don't have to live in anxiety and fear and turmoil. Why? Well, because the Lord is near, because we do have peace, His peace uh, in us. We have the peace of God. And then He says, then He garrisons our heart. He, he puts a guard around our heart. He, he sets a watch to watch out for the enemy, in fact, to keep the enemy away. That's what He has done. And, and so He's saying that this, the gospel of peace, I would say, is that we do have peace with God. No more war. We have the peace of God. I don't have to live in anxiety and fear. Not because things aren't hard, but because my life and heart are centered in Christ. Look, you know the battle we face is real. It is a spiritual battle, although we see it shown in many different ways. And it does sometimes come It looks very physical. It is emotional at times. It is deeply spiritual because we have an enemy that wants to take us down. It can be daunting, uh, confusing, frightening. And since that's the case, God gives us his armor that we can stand in this battle. And today, remembering that part of that strength, we have a strong foundation. We have footing that we don't have to slip We can stand firm, and that that footing is because we've set our hearts in the gospel of peace, remembering that we have peace with God, and therefore we don't have to slip, we don't have to slide, we don't have to doubt, because God has done the work. We have the peace of God. We can stand firm. We can rest in Him. We can have that whole sense of tranquility, not not pretending not anything is going on, but because He wraps His love around us. That's a great piece of armor, isn't it? It's not a big piece. It's not noticeable until you're in the battle and you're having to stand. Let me ask you this as we finish. Do you find yourself anxious sometimes? Afraid? Maybe unduly angry because of the things going on, because somehow things just seem so out of control. Let me suggest this, that part of the answer to that is what you have on your feet 
the footing, the foundation that you have. Let me urge you, let me remind us to put our mind and our heart on Jesus. That our foundation is in the gospel of peace. What God has done for us and is doing in us. And as we remember that, as we let him do that, we're able to stand firm. We don't have to slip. We don't slide. We don't have to give in to the enemy. We can stand firm. And let me say this as well. If you're listening here today and you really don't know if you have Christ, if you don't know this gospel of peace, let me remind you the Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. The Bible also says that Christ came and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin. He was raised again the third day. And the Bible says that in order for us to have life with God so that we have peace with God, we invite him to be our Savior. And you can do that. The Bible says, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those that believe on his name. And you can do that right where you sit. It's not about doing good works. It's not about going to church. It is a faith in Jesus Christ. And if you would like to know more, you can feel free to contact me, contact us here at the church. But the truth is, right where you sit, right now, you can open your heart to Christ. And then you also will understand and, and grasp the truth of the gospel of peace. Father, thank you so much for the foundation that we have, not in ourselves, not in our own strength, not in the things that we do, but our foundation is in the gospel of peace, that we have peace with you on your terms. We have the peace of you working in our hearts. Thank you, God, for that. In Christ's name, amen.